as far north as Marauder's Arch, as far south as Booty Isle, as far east as Ruby's Fall, and as far west as Mermaid's Hideaway, Pirate Talk Radio proudly presents the most in-your-face Sea of Thieves podcast on the waves, and now broadcasting from his mother's basement, the biggest idiot to ever pick up a cutlass, your host, Davram! Welcome back, everyone, to Pirate Talk Radio. I hope everyone's doing well. I hope uh, that you had a good week since the last uh, episode. My weeks have been increasingly more busy. I understand it. I understand it. This is supposed to be the time where I can relax and 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 start preparing for the holidays. And it's just been it's been one thing after another thing. After another thing, and I'm 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 just over it at this point. I'm over it. <laughs> it's been nuts, uh, but been having a good time on streams. Uh, been having a having a a, a great time playing uh, Sea of Thieves with uh, with the Keelhauled podcast crew on Saturdays. Uh, we even did a little uh, drinking with the Keelhauled crew. Uh, that was a Sea of Thieves drinking game. Very interesting. Um, a few weeks ago, which was a lot of fun. Um, and then we've been doing Sales and Tales uh, with, a, with a friend of mine who I met at Sea of Thieves Fest Zorvia, uh, playing through all of the original Tall Tales um, every Monday. So that's been a lot of fun. A lot of new faces have stopped by the stream. Uh, a lot of folks, uh, uh, taking part in some lore discussions. Uh, so it's been, it's been real nice. It's been real nice to see that. Um, but, uh, we've got a lot of sea of thieves stuff coming up. Um, now a lot of it at this point is speculation. Um, just because, we don't know what's necessarily coming. Um, obviously, when you're all listening to this, you've either done the adventure, the new venture, Siren's Prize, <clears throat> or you're going to be doing it, Siren's Prize. But at this point, I have no idea uh, much about Siren's Prize, aside from the trailer uh, that we got earlier in the week. Um, but this weekend uh, is Community Day. Um, on the uh, 17th, Saturday the 17th, will be Community Day. Um, and I will be doing it. I will be doing Siren's Prize then, and I'll be able to uh, speak to it next week. But we'll get into that uh, in just a few minutes right after I thank the glorious patrons that, uh, that financially contribute to this show and my content. So first off, I would like to thank Skamelt666 Lane. And Regis Stella, thank you very much for your continued support uh, to the podcast, to my content. I, I appreciate it more than you'll ever know. You guys are awesome. Um, and, I, and I again, bottom of my heart, thank you very much. If you guys would like to join the Patreon and financially contribute to this uh, podcast and also my other content, along with getting custom swag, depending on uh, the tier that you subscribe to, um, and, um, you know, getting a cool Discord color on your little Discord flag on your thing if you're in the Discord, which, if you're not, you should probably join the Discord. The information is always down below uh, to join in the conversation over there. But thank you to the patrons, and if anyone would like to join the Patreon and continue to support, uh, it's patreon.com slash TV, and it's very, very much appreciated. 
So since the last episode, we got a trailer um, for Siren's Prize, and I'm going to be talking about that in a little minute um, because it is going to be out by the time you're listening to this. Um, and I'm going to be doing it, as I said, on Community Day, uh, which is a reoccurring cool event that Sea of Thieves has been doing. Uh, the first one was a little rough. The second one was better, so I'm hoping this one's going to be even more better as far as uh, server stability and things like that. Uh, but it is on the 17th of September, so that is Saturday the 17th. Uh, I will be playing, I believe, most of the day, and I will be live twitch.tv slash Davram. Uh, and you can come by and you can visit any of your favorite streamers, whether they're a partner or not, uh, Sea of Thieves partner or not. And if you watch for an hour on any streamer of Sea of Thieves that day, you will get yourself the Gilded Phoenix Hall. Now, this hall has been out before. Uh, they have put this hall out before, but some people missed it the first time around. Uh, maybe you're a new player or you just were busy that uh, particular week. Weekend, but uh, watching uh, any Sea of Thieves streamer um, during Community Day for one hour uh, will get you the Gilded Phoenix Hall if you have your Sea of Thieves account linked to your Twitch account, um, and you can do that on the Sea of Thieves website. You just link them up, and then once you watch your hour, you will have a little notification popping up in the top of your Twitch. Um, it'll be up in the upper right-hand corner. Um, you'll click on it. It'll say, hey, you have uh, unlocked this particular item. You have to click on it, and then you have to claim it. If you do not claim it within 24 hours, sorry, you're out of luck. You just wasted your time. <clears throat> Though I, as the streamer, and many other streamers appreciate you coming in you know, dropping your view for us during that time, uh, you're not going to get your prize. And there's there's nothing we can really do about it and there's nothing Sea of Thieves can do about it. So make sure you claim your Gilded Phoenix Hall this weekend if you don't already have it. The other thing during Community Day that I think a lot of people forget about is there are a lot of great content creators out there, not just streamers, not just YouTubers, um, but cosplay folks. Folks who draw pictures, comic um, artists, uh, people who do Etsy things and, and create things with 3D printing or, or just a variety of different types of art. Obviously, podcasting, myself, Captain Logan, and other podcasters out there as well as another type of content. Um, along with people who take part in just posting fun stuff on, on Twitter that you might enjoy that has to do with Sea of Thieves with pictures and things like that. But during Community Day, you can use the hashtag BeMorePirate um, and tell Sea of Thieves, you know, at Sea of Thieves or hashtag BeMorePirate and talk about one of these particular um, content creators. May it be art, uh, may it be streaming, YouTube, podcasting, whatever it may be, someone in the community out there um, who just, in your mind, makes your enjoyment of Sea of Thieves and the Sea of Thieves community better, mention them on Twitter um, and use hashtag BeMorePirate. And what you do is you enter them into the ability for uh, Rare to recognize them by giving them the illustrious uh, hat Right. It's the teal hat with the white rose on it. 
Um, it's given to f- folks who win the uh, SOT shot contest and other things. But it's really a, a symbol in the community of you are someone um, who the community views as someone who's bringing uh, Sea of Thieves to a new light, uh, who is entertaining, uh, who puts out some cool art, who who tweets some cool things or whatever, in some way is benefiting and making the community better, right? So make sure if there's someone out there um, who you would like to recognize, uh, make sure you mention them why they they uh, they deserve the hat and use hashtag be more pirate on Twitter. Um, I believe you can also do it on Instagram and Facebook as well, but uh, I think Twitter is usually the best place to do it. And maybe that person will wake up the next day and they will have the nice uh, cosmetic and they can put it on. Um, I always stand by the fact that it doesn't matter how many people will mention me. Um, Joe Neat's never going to give me the hat. Uh, I, I just I've just I've come to that realization uh, that regardless of how big this show gets um, with all you wonderful people sending me emails and laughing at my rants, um, dropping comments and everything else like that. I, I, I don't think I'm going to get the hat, ladies and gentlemen. It's just not going to happen. I'm a little too. um vocal about issues and um yeah i i i don't foresee myself um getting this hat okay oh the hat if i ever get this hat i will probably just pee myself on the on the uh, on the minute right just pee myself all right, so let's talk about the new adventure, Siren's Prize. Now, I speculated a little bit last week on uh, Siren's Prize, uh, how I viewed it as uh, most likely being the um, the Silver Blade, right? Flameheart Jr. ship. It makes sense um, that that would be the item that or the 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 thing that is the prize, right? It's 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 something the Sirens sunk. Um, they have it in the um, the Sunken Kingdom uh, during a Pirate's Life adventure. Two, I believe it is uh, when you travel into the sunken kingdom for the first time um, and that ship is there and you have to use it in order to to get out of the sunken king or to, to, to elevate yourself out to get out of the uh, the the queen's or you get to the queen's lair. Maybe I can't. Yeah, it's to get to the queen's lair. It's the boat that you fight the uh, Kraken on. Um, so. That uh, that is what I originally thought the um, the the prize is. However, the trailer just got dropped and it is made me think about this a little bit deeper. Um, now, if you haven't seen the trailer, it is out on uh, the Sea of Thieves uh, YouTube. You can also get links to it on their Twitter account. Um, but it is Belle, and she is on Liar's Backbone, which for those of you who haven't done the Tall Tales, Liar's Backbone is where the Heart of Fire is or where Flameheart's lair is. Um, and it was kind of the first glimpse of his lair that we got. Um, and she's standing by the the secret uh, the the secret door passage thing with the heart um the flame heart uh that you have to solve the riddle um and then open it up 
she's standing there and she's got these pile of books and and cute little Shelly's kind of dancing around the books and clawing over the books and everything. Um, and it just so happens that Shelly knocks over a book and it opens up uh, to a specific page. Uh, Belle is not quite sure what's going going on. She's looking for answers of what, it, you know, what can we do? And she notices the book that Shelly knocks over and starts to glance through the pages and mentions a few things, right? She starts to mention the idea of a resurrection, right? So Flameheart buried dead in the ground, skeletal body. We get the skull. Uh, Pendragon releases Flameheart in the air. We now have a world event of shit-talking Flameheart. Shit-talking Flameheart goes away. We find out that, that Flameheart is now... Um, basically not a shit talking head in the sky, but we haven't seen him since then. We know that um, the different sea forts that he's brought, the Spanish forts that he's brought to, to the sea of thieves from the sea of the damned. We know that Flameheart jr. Can use a door passageway to teleport basically between these sea forts. But, we haven't necessarily seen Flameheart. Now in one of the first adventures, it is mentioned that he is not a shit talking head in the sky anymore. He is something else. We're not quite sure what that means as we've not seen or really heard from him since we've kind of heard a lot from Flameheart Jr., but nothing really from Flameheart himself since he was up in the sky talking about our supplies dwindling. So now Bell is starting to talk kind of very cryptically about this idea of resurrection and maybe even an item of resurrection when she's flipping through this book. Now there is of course the talk in the uh, tales of sea of thieves, the, the Flameheart junior diary of the chalice of resurrection. It is a symbol that uh, even if you're not a lore hound, you've seen put up your reaper sails, look at the reaper, uh, emissary and you will see the chalice of resurrection. It is the iconic symbol of the reapers. Now the chalice of resurrection, if you Google it, uh, sea of thieves, chalice of resurrection, it mentions a chalice of resurrection that we do use in one of the morning star tales in order to summon gray marrow. Uh, it is part of the, uh, tall tale series. Uh, you have to have, you get the chalice and you take, take the, the skull and you put the skull in the chalice and you use this as part of the ritual summoning of gray marrow, um, in the tall tales. Is that the chalice of resurrection or is it another chalice that has some mystical abilities when combined with a skull? I assumed it was the chalice of resurrection. I believe that is actually what it's called in the tall tale. However, uh, you never had to go to Reaper's hideout to get it. Obviously the Reapers have that as their symbol everywhere, that chalice. But I feel that now that, we are talking more and more about Siren's prize and Bell starts to mention something, not a ship, 
but more of an item, it sounds like, in the way she's presenting it, and starts to mention the idea of resurrection, I'm starting to believe it is not the silver blade that is the siren's prize. Do I think the silver blade still has a place in the story? Do I think Flameheart somehow wants to get his ship back? Do I think that Mike Chapman still really wants the golden blade that he's always wanted in this game? Yes, I think all those things are possible, but I think for siren's prize itself, it is not going to deal Maybe it'll deal a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be the silver blade um, is the focus. I believe it's going to be something smaller. I believe it could be a cup, um, maybe even a chest with a cup in it, or maybe just a chest and we have to then later figure out how to open the chest. Either way, I don't think it's the silver blade anymore. I'm leaning more towards this idea of a chalice of resurrection, which would then, of course, be used uh, to resurrect Flameheart. So it's the same thing we did with Grey Marrow, and I really am starting to now, with that trailer, lean more to that. Now, what I will say is, Overall, I was a little disappointed in the trailer, not from the cinematic. The cinematic was great. Belle looked great. The voice acting was great. You know, the 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 overall theatrics of the of the the trailer, I thought was really nice. It was nice to see Shelly a lot. Um, you know, it, it, it was great to see, you know, an idea that Bell has came into a place that has been part of our world for a long time. And she's digging through the books and stuff that are in there and trying to find answers. Um, it, it really felt nice on that aspect. But the problem with this trailer versus other ones is I didn't get a whole lot of what are we doing? What are we after? Like it was a giant cliffhanger, which is fine. But the reason it wasn't a successful cliffhanger was there wasn't a lot of specifics in there, right? The only specific that we got was we have to dive down, right? We have to dive down. We have to get allies. So my thought process is, well, there's two types of undersea creatures, right? Not including the big nasties. We've got the sirens and we have the merfolk, the merfolk who help us and the sirens who hate us, right? That's what we have in there. So what I took that as is we have to go and seek help. We have to get an alliance with the merfolk to fight the sirens and to get whatever this thing is or whatever she's referring to to stop this resurrection. That's what I got out of it. But I don't necessarily know if that's what I was supposed to get out of it. Um, the other trailers have been very direct in their messaging. You know, the, the, the forts are here. Flameheart is, is taking the people from Golden Sands. Okay, we have a a we've risen the 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 killer whale. We have to defeat uh, the shrouded ghost. You know, we have to chase down the dark brethren. We have to find out who killed Merrick. We you know, it was very specific on what we are trying to accomplish. Um, now, it didn't give away all the details, but it told us our objective. And aside from we have to dive down, which means that means we're probably going to be going into the sunken kingdom in some way, shape or form. That's all I got out of it was 
She's scared about some sort of resurrection. Is it a spell? Is it a cannonball? Is it a gun? Is it a chalice? Is, is it a freaking splinter from the silver blade? I don't know. She just mentioned something about resurrection and that we have to stop it. And in order to do that, we need allies and we have to dive down to get them. Who's the allies that you're talking to? Are, are you talking about the merfolk? Because that's the only other group that's, in my mind, is down there. Are you talking about some new faction that's going to be introduced that's under sea? Is it going to be Kermit the Frog and his friends? I, I don't know. That was the disappointing piece. And it was just, and, and mind you, it wasn't, it sounds like I was super disappointed and really didn't like this trailer. I honestly really did like this trailer. I thought the trailer went over well. I just feel like they could have added a just a, a just a, sprinkling of a little bit more detail so I could get more hyped about it. Like I was hyped at the beginning with the, with Shelly crawling over the book. I was hyped to see that we were in liar's backbone. That means we're going to have more Flameheart story, which I love Flameheart. I was hyped about this. And then I was just kind of like, uh, and let down, like, was it cool that she jumped on her buoy and started to go underwater? Yeah, was that was all nice, but I was getting hyped. I was getting hyped. I'm like, here's the payoff. Here's the payoff. She's going to tell us what we're going to do. She's going to tell us what we're going after. And no payoff. And I just felt let down. Um, I haven't felt that type of letdown in their trailers. Now, I have felt major letdown, as I've talked about, in their adventures, but I haven't felt that letdown in their trailers. And I honestly felt let down in this trailer because of that. It was still a great trailer. I'm still excited about uh, Siren's prize to a point because I fear that even though they have said multiple times after Pirate's Life and after um, Sunken Kingdom itself was released, they have mentioned multiple times that they need to learn from those particular items and the feedback the community gave, which is we don't want to abandon our ship to be tucked on or to be blown up while we're under the water and can't defend ourselves. That was a big piece of feedback and a big negative piece to, um, to pirates life and to the sunken kingdom. It was a massive, massive negative flow from the community of which rare did respond and say, we're going to look at this and look to, to not do this in the future. It was on their sea of these podcasts, recapping a pirate's life and sunken kingdom. They made Made it very known that they're going to try to learn from this. I am now scared because of how the adventures have been going and because they're trying new things. Don't get me wrong, but they're stubbing their toes and tripping an awful lot on, on several of these adventures. Hunter's call uh, or you know, Hunter's cry being the most recent one. That was a major flub up. I'm just now terrified that, we're just going to go back to the sunken kingdom. It's not going to be really anything new and exciting. And we're going to have to leave our ships up above, which is again, something that players don't like to do. There's a lot of players out there that don't mind it and whatever they get irritated if their ship gets sunk. But in general players who, you know, are very protective of their ship and love their ship. They don't want their ship sunk just because they're taking part in content. They don't want to lose sight of their ship. They don't want to leave it abandoned. And if they have multiple people in their crew, 
crew members don't just want to sit there and watch. They want to be able to take part in the new content. At least I sure do. Um, it was one of the biggest reasons I still to this day have not completed all of the shrines or all of the treasuries because I just don't like the fact that it is content meant to exclude people or content meant to potentially put your boat at risk. And I just don't like that design choice. I'm hoping my hope is, and many of you have already probably played through it by the time you've listened to this and you're probably all know you, you clearly know the answer and you're either laughing at me or being like, yep, Davram's right. And they learn from their mistakes. Either way, I just really fear the direction Rare is going with these adventures that they're not going to learn from their mistakes and they're going to make those same mistakes of abandoning your boat or um, forcing a crew member to basically stay above and keep watch um, and not be able to partake in the content. I just have this like this sinking feeling in my chest that when this adventure uh, releases later today, that it's going to be one of those. I'm going to find out Saturday, and I'm sure that depending on which one of those it is, there's going to be some ranting involved. Or... There might be me cheering and clapping for Rare for the first time in a very long time. But either way, new adventure. Uh, trailer kind of let me down a little bit, but still overall good. Great cinematics, by the way. It was an amazing cinematic. It just kind of let me down um, compared to the rest. But I will find out uh, what the Sirens Prize is this weekend, and I hope uh, that many of you can join in the fun on the stream. Again, twitch.tv slash Davram. Uh, Twitch Drops will be available on my channel. Uh, for you to get your Gilded Phoenix Hall, please come by, say hello, uh, enjoy in the uh, absurdity and the craziness that is my streams. Uh, I will be sailing, it looks like, uh, with quite a few members of the Keel Hall podcast crew um, and just having a great time celebrating the community that is Sea of Thieves on Community Day. So I hope I see you there um, and I hope that you all have a great Community Day and hopefully this adventure, it, it, they're making changes to make it not suck. So um, hopefully you all are going to enjoy the adventure. Hopefully it's good. And hopefully it's a turning point away from the crap that we have been experiencing with the adventures. Now, let us enjoy a little history time. I have done this from time to time. When we're kind of in between major content updates, um, I start to try, I'm a history, uh, I mean, I'm not a history teacher anymore, but that's what my degree is in. I taught history for a while, and I love history. And I love pirate history, which is one of the reasons I love this game. Um, but as you all who have listened to my show for a long time understand that I am also very critical of mistakes that are made um, on the history side and we, and people just say, well, it's a fantasy game. You know what? No, don't give me that bullshit again. Don't give it to me. If you are basing a game in a, a period of time in history, which it's all been clearly laid out by Mike, that it is a snippet in time in history in the Bahamas. History is important. Okay. History is important. And, and honoring that history is important. You can do all your magical fantasy stuff with, with ocean crawlers and resurrected skeletons and, and order of souls, you know, sucking the juices out of skulls and stuff like that. You can do all that 
and still honor the history era that you're in. And I've done, uh, a, a, I think we did a show on Blackbeard, maybe. I can't remember if we did it on Blackbeard. I know we did. I, I know I did a show on um, the different types of pirates, privateers versus buccaneers uh, versus corsairs and stuff like that. I know I did that um, a while back. Um, but what I want to do, because as I said last episode, I am super hyped for what I think may be coming in season eight. Um, based on what we got from uh, Gamescom, of, of all the bad things that came out of the Gamescom Sea of Thieves uh, podcast, there was one good thing, and that was the Sea of Tees around Season 8. And I believe we will be starting to get closer to slash entering the golden age of piracy, which is the piracy um, that we all know and love from Pirates of the Caribbean to Black Sails uh, to the history books. If you are a nerd like me and have more books on piracy than you even care to admit. Um, but I wanted to take a little bit, the second half of the show and just do a little history on piracy. Um, uh, as we get ready to what I think is the golden age of piracy, um, in sea of thieves, I got a lot of good positive feedback from my history lessons, um, getting away from the, the ranting that is so, justly earned by the rare development staff uh, and the design staff and get away from that and get into just a little bit of, of fun history talk and fun historical stories. So where did the word pirate come from? So the word pirate actually originated from the Latin word pirata. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I did not take Latin in high school. So if I'm saying that wrong, well, I'm not good at English. So you can expect my Latin is not going to be that good. And that was an adaptation from a Greek word. And I'm not even going to attempt to say the Greek word. Um, I did, when I went to Greece, learn some Greek words just so I wasn't the awful American tourist, but I don't know how to speak Greek and I wasn't even going to attempt this one. But the meaning of the Greek word was attempt, as in attempt to steal. So the word pirate, the very first origination of that word goes all the way back to the ancient times. And when I say ancient times, I'm talking ancient Greece, ancient Rome, um, and ancient Egypt. That's what I'm talking about. And in fact, ancient Egypt is where we get the first recorded history of piracy um, when we're stuttering, studying the, the, the scrolls and the hieroglyphics of ancient Egypt, dating back all the way to the 14th century BC, which for those of you who are not history buffs, that is 1300 BC or 1300 years before year one, right? So we're talking 1300 years before year one or AD, um, again, uh, in the Christian world before Christ and after death, right? If to make that simple for you, right? So the first recorded history was in ancient Egypt, 14th century, um, BC. And, um, 
it talked about the earliest form of pirates. And back then, we're not talking about um, cross-Atlantic trips, right? They don't have ships for long sea voyages like that. But the Nile River uh, and the Mediterranean Sea were definitely used. Egypt was a major um, shipping hub, right? Um, Alexandria and all those uh, cities around the Nile Delta uh, that people, you know, in the Mediterranean and around the Mediterranean, up and down the Nile, it was a perfect location for shipping. And so ships would come in and leave and go down the Nile and all that stuff. And they were always full of trade goods fish and grain and and cloth and whatever else um, that people were either mining out of the earth or manufacturing and going to trade. It was a prime place for pirates. And in this time period, ancient Egypt, we're talking about the reign of, um, oh, I'm trying to think of his name. Um, it's just, it's just lost me. Um, Emotep. Amotep, I believe the second, that's the reign we're talking about, right? If you're, if you're familiar with the mummy movies, right? Amotep, the, the mummy, right? That guy. Yeah. This is Amotep. The second is what we're talking about. And what would happen is these ships, these pirates would attack these ships when they're running along the coast of the Mediterranean. They didn't have the ability to sail necessarily directly across the Mediterranean. They would they would stay along the coast because again, these these ships were not built for long sea voyages. They they just couldn't handle it. And even the Mediterranean Sea, though it's not like the Atlantic Ocean, it can still get choppy and it's it's rough. So they didn't necessarily have that ability yet um, in in navigation. So they would stay along the coast, maybe bounce out a little bit, go up and down the Nile. So these pirates would be up and down the Nile in their boats and also along the shores in boats. And that's where they would attack and steal all of these merchant things um, and then sell them and make money off of them. Now, what happened over the course of just about 300 years, we're talking 1300 BC until, until 67 BC. So again, we're talking almost 300 years. Pirates basically roamed unchecked throughout the Mediterranean and the Nile and hit Greece, and hit what would eventually be the Roman Empire, and Egypt. And they would just steal as they wanted, and it was just, we can't do anything about it. We don't have the military to take them on. We don't have that ability. And in 67 BC, um, groups of pirates, there were two famous groups of pirates during this uh, time period, the Luca. And the uh, the the Sheridan were two groups of pirates in this area that were that were famous for basically an organized crime syndicate, if you will, uh, to 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 take care of these uh, merchant vessels. But they got ballsy. They got brave. And in 67 BC, they actually attacked a Roman city, and this was the time of the Roman Empire. They attacked the Roman city and took it over the Roman city of Ostia. So they took a Roman city over, right? We always talk about Nassau and the Bahama Islands where pirates would set up these stronghold pirate cities, right? 
Back in this time, back before year one, there were groups of pirates who actually attacked and conquered a Roman Empire city, um, which obviously is like big red flags. You don't attack the Roman Empire. Um, And this was the very first time that a world government, because the Roman Empire, you know, emperor, Caesar, all that fun stuff. This was the first time in history that a government actually took note of piracy and started to battle back, started to fight back, started to treat pirates as criminals and capture them, put them to death. And it was the Roman general Pompey who started to do this. And he actually basically told his forces, you know, if I dispatch you to Ostia or anywhere around the Mediterranean and you see pirates, there's no hold barred. There's there's no quarter. There's no surrender. You kill them. You just any means necessary. You stop piracy in the Mediterranean. We depend on these trade routes to to supply the empire. You know, the the royals, the, the emperor and their family want all these nice spices and all these nice gold and diamonds and gems and all that stuff. You will stop them using all means necessary. And it wasn't until another about 50 years later. So we're talking, we're getting close to year one. We're looking at the transition from BC to AD. And between the years of 27 BC and 14 AD, this was a period of perpetual peace in the Roman Empire. And because of that peace, piracy kind of died away. Um, It didn't go extinct but it died away. The empire was flourishing um, and the military was in control and there wasn't a whole lot of piracy, but it didn't die away completely. Piracy has existed or existed for over 2000 years of, of, of our history, you know, and when you say 2000 years, it's 2022. If we go back to 2000 years, we're talking about year 22, right? So piracy has existed across our history, flourished throughout our history for over 2,000 years, dating all the way back to ancient Greece and ancient Egypt. Now let's dive into, that's the ancient history of piracy. That is where piracy started and where it came from. Now, Let's dive into Sea of Thieves and where that type of piracy originated. Pirates of the Caribbean and all that stuff. The true book or or fantasy novel or movie. Where did those pirates start? When did that happen? And that comes all the way, all the way up to Elizabeth I. The Queen of England, the daughter of of the, the the second daughter or the youngest daughter of King Henry VIII, if you've heard that story, uh, in his lovely wives. Uh, she took over the, the, the throne from her sister Mary, Bloody Mary, if you will. And during the Elizabethan era, obviously, for those of you who don't live under a rock, realize Elizabeth II just died um, after 70 years on the throne. She is the second Elizabethan era. The first Elizabethan era, we're talking way back, um, but way back when. Um, and 
this is when the idea of piracy that we know today in that Sea of Thieves is based on really got its foothold. And that is because there were constant wars all dating all the way back to her father, King Henry VIII, between France, England, and Spain, between ideals of religion, between ideals of who controls what. And that did not stop just because Elizabeth was on the throne. Though they went through a long period of peace, there was always that animosity towards Spain specifically because England under Elizabeth was Protestant or the Church of England and Spain was the Holy Roman Empire or Catholic, right? Elizabeth followed um, after her mother who was Protestant and, of course, after her father, Henry, who was the head of the Church of England. He kind of created that whole thing because of divorce situations. And she started to employ, with lots of money, people like Francis Drake or Sir Francis Drake. And what she would do is give Francis Drake a crap ton of money and say, hey, don't fly English colors. Pretend you're not English at all, in fact. Go over there. Capture that Spanish treasure galleon. And bring me that shit. Right? I want the gold and the jewels and the spices and the cloth and all the pretty loot that is on that ship. So I want you, I will pay you money to get on a boat, to go over there, seize that ship, and bring me the goodies back. That is where the piracy of today, where we have ships hunting other ships, boarding, fighting, and stealing large sums of money in prizes, kind of really started to get that novel-like feel was with people like Sir Francis Drake of England. Now, we also know those were privateers. They were pirates, but they were under the employment of someone wealthy. Drake, in fact, was employed by the Queen of England. And his ship, um, if you... uh, If you caught some of the pictures that I posted about the Sea of Thieves Fest, uh, Captain Logan and I actually went and visited uh, and did the um, the escape room um, at the Golden Hind, which is a reconstruction of uh, Sir Francis Drake's uh, ship. His ship was called the Golden Hind. It has a really cool um, uh, figurehead. It's like a it's a deer. A hind is a deer. Um, and it looks like a deer in the headlights. And it's absolutely fantastic. So you can go check those those pictures out on like my Instagram and, and stuff like that. But um, that's kind of where that amazing history that that Sea of Thieves is kind of built on and fun story. Mike Chapman told us this at Sea of Thieves Fest. The Golden Hind is actually what they use to inspire the galleon in Sea of Thieves. So if you're ever in London and you are a pirate history slash Sea of Thieves lover, go check out the Golden Hind. Even if you don't do the fun escape room, go check it out because you will notice that it's much smaller than you probably think, but that was the size of a pirate ship back then. That was the size of what would be considered a galleon. And by just by looking at it, you can see the inspiration of the Sea of Thieves galleon in that ship. 
So as we move from Elizabeth and get closer to the golden age of piracy, which is most known for New Providence Island or Nassau in, in the Bahama Islands, if you're familiar with the show Black Sails, that's where it takes part, right? That's, that's where it is. So who were the pirates that made this history and that thing, this thing that we all love to think about flying the black flag and cutlass fights and boarding and stealing loot. Who were the people that made that amazing history for us to read and now think and role play and play a game that's all based around them? Well, they were mostly men. I'm sorry, ladies, they were mostly men. But my little history lesson today is not going to tell you about the men because you can talk about Edward Teach all you want. You can talk about Francis Drake. You can talk about um, Charles Vane. You can talk about all those wonderful people like Woods Rogers and things like that. But I'm going to tell you quickly about two women, two famous women, um, and the reason they're famous is because they were two of the most cutthroat pirates that ever sailed in history. And that is Anne Bonny and her friend Mary Reed. Now, these two women, um, they both have very different stories of how they got there. But Anne Bonny is a name that many people out there um, probably would recognize. Um and there's been different interpretations of Anne Bonny across his, across movies and stuff like that. But to say Anne Bonny was nothing more than a vicious woman um, is to understate her. She was brave, she was courageous, and she was vicious. Um, and because she was so vicious and she had a name of being a, a name um, that people feared, she was able to sail on pirate ships. Without hiding her identity, she sailed as a woman. And in this time, superstition was big and it was very, it was considered bad luck to have a woman on board. But because of her reputation of just being a violent woman, people weren't going to say anything. One, because she, they knew she'd probably kill them, but also because she'd proven herself on the seas and she's a woman. Now, when she conducted things um, like conducted business with men on shore and sometimes when she was doing some spying and stuff like that, she would infiltrate boats um, dressed as a man with her hair up and, uh, um, you know, tight clothing on to make sure, you know, the womanly figure wasn't showing. But when she was out under the black, under the pirate flag, she 100 percent was just herself, just a woman. And the most famous time of her life as a pirate um, in New Providence Island in Nassau was with a pirate named Calico Jack or Jack Rackham. Now, you may be saying, well, I've heard that from Black Sails or whatever. Um, if you haven't watched Black Sails, um, then I will tell you the Jolly Roger, the famous skull with cross swords, Jolly Roger um, flag, that is Jack Rackham's 
black. That is his flag. Uh, that is the the banner that he flew on his ships when he was conducting uh, piracy. And Anne Bonny joined uh, Jack Rackham's crew in 1718. Um, and she she worked with him and sailed with him for two years till 1720. During this time, obviously, they went out as a pirate crew and they did a lot of nasty stuff out there um, <laughs> um, in on the seas. But they also approached piracy a little different in that, yes, they went out and took prizes, but they also worked taverns and spied and they did a lot of research on shipping um, lanes and, and shipping routes in Jamaica, in and around Jamaica. And what they would do is they would take that information and they would sell it to other pirate crews. So they weren't out there doing all the hard work, but they were still profit profiting from Piracy. So not only were they out there on their sloop, but they were also, you know, selling this information. Now, I said sloop. Now, a sloop back in the day was not necessarily a two person boat. It did have a crew. A sloop uh, it was a much bigger ship than you thought. It was smaller than, say, a man of war or what we know as a galleon. But it was a largely crewed ship um, with with weapons. It was just fast moving. The sloop was a fast moving boat. So she sailed with Jack and, and eventually Mary Reed also joined the crew, but Mary joined the crew disguised as a man and later revealed herself to Anne Bonnie that she was a woman, but continued to hide her self um, as a man. Um, she did not have near the reputation of Anne Bonnie uh, to kind of protect herself um, um, you know, if the crew did not like the fact that there was a woman aboard. And in 1720, they were captured. Jack Rackham and his crew were hung. However, they did not hang Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed. And you might say, well, why? They were pirates. Well, at the time, they were both pregnant, and it was against the law to hang a pregnant woman. So neither of them suffered the hangman's noose, Unfortunately, Mary died in prison um, um, of a fever. But Anne, talk about a true pirate. Okay, talk about a true pirate. Anne was not going to stay in prison. Anne came from a very well-known, influential, and wealthy Irish family that called home um, in Cape Town. Uh, or Char uh, Was it Charlestown or Cape Town? I can't remember. Might have been Charles. No, it was Cape Town. Uh, it was Cape Town. And she utilized that influence and she utilized her family's wealth to get out of prison. Just how piratey is that? Like, you commit high seas treason for years, high seas piracy, selling secrets. Making all this money on the 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 attacking of others, killing people, making a name for yourself as the most vicious per like woman on the seas, doesn't get hung with the rest of her crew because she, or the love of her life, Jack Rackham, because she's pregnant, and then it's like, yo, I don't want to die here. Hey, family. Hey, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a Bonnie. Uh, I'm part of your family. Why don't you help me out? They get her out. 
And she goes back to Cape Town and she goes back and she marries eventually. She has multiple children and lives out the rest of her life and doesn't go and commit piracy again. Uh, Just lives out the rest of her life quietly um, in her family's home. But this is the type of history that always fascinates me because one, women were not allowed to be sailors or pirates in the time, but people like Anne Bonnie proved that yeah, we could do this shit, and we could do it pretty good, too. Um, she was vicious. She was nasty, as I said. But it's also interesting that we look now in Sea of Thieves, and we start to see characters that don't belong in the pirate world, but force themselves into belonging in the pirate world because they're just as pirate as the next dude or man. You've got Lorena, who stands outside the tavern, leading the Bildrags. That is a strong female character that in this time, uh, uh, this period of time, would be very rare to find. That Though she is nowhere near Anne Bonny, she is kind of resembling that Anne Bonny person of a strong woman who's not scared to be like, I'm a chick, I'm a lady, I'm a woman, you know, and I'm also a pirate. You've got people like Wanda the Warsmith. You've got Lissetti. You've got Amaranta. You have all these characters. You've got Belle. These strong women, female characters in Sea of Thieves who back in the day, they would have been really rare to come by. But if they were truly like they are in Sea of Thieves, I am a woman and I am here. They would have been some of the pirates you don't want to cross. They would have been women that you would have ran from or you probably would have died. And I love the fact that Rare has included, and I hope they include more powerful, strong women in this game. Because again, back in history, we only have some accounts of some women who took part in piracy, even though we know there were more. Only some took part. And really, Anne Bonnie is one of the few that actually took off all the male look and dressed as herself. And she was proud to be a woman pirate. So I'm glad that Sea of Thieves, um, you know, puts uh, an emphasis on women pirates in the game, giving them very strong personalities. I mean, hell, Wanda's part of the Dark Brethren. We've got uh, um, Lissetti, uh, who is the daughter of the pirate lord and, and a part owner of the, the tavern. You've got Amaranta. All these strong pirates who, I'm not going to lie, like Lorena pulls mangoes out of her butt. You think I'm going to cross swords with her? No, because she's going to fuck me up. Like, that's just how it is. And I like that they've done that. And though they haven't created that crazy, insane Anne Bonnie character, they've done a great job of pulling that strength of the female pirate from back in the day where it was a scary time uh, to, to, to be a woman and to be a woman on a ship. It was a very scary time because men didn't want you there. And I love how they've done that in the game. So there's a little history lesson for you. I hope you enjoyed it. Please do leave a comment um, if you did enjoy the little history lesson. I don't want to do this every single week, but every so many episodes, I've got a lot of pirate history stuck up in this brain that I would like to share with you um, and really just kind of lay the framework of of how Sea of Thieves 
uh, in the time period that it's done, they've done a good job in general setting up a lot of good historical references in this game. They've also messed up a few times. Um, again, I keep promising people I'm going to do an episode on the Sovereign. Don't worry, it's coming. Um, and we'll talk about why the Sovereign were not done well. At least at this point, they might evolve into that. But at this point, they've not done well. But um, I hope you enjoy that because I love history. We talk about it on the stream um, on occasion when people ask me questions and stuff like that. But please leave me a comment. Hit me up with an email. Uh, drop me a line on Discord or on Twitter. Let me know if you like the little history lessons. And tell me maybe a part of pirate history that you would like to know more about. And maybe I'll do an episode on that, but guys, thank you very much. I hope you're enjoying the new adventure. I know I'm going to hopefully enjoy it uh, this weekend on community day, go out, celebrate the sea of thieves community. Don't be a toxic asshole out there. Sink some ships, get some booty and have a good community day and celebrate the game that we all love. Take care of yourselves and each other. And I will see you next time on Pirate Talk Radio.